0: You are listening to the Sun Grove podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Good morning, good morning! I'm so glad you are here today. Uh, would you please open your little outline, your program? Take out the outline today. We're going to walk through uh, some next steps in this series. It's just phenomenal. This is a foundational series uh, to how spiritual growth happens, and a foundational series for Sun Grove Church that we talk about the progression between identity formation community and mission. And we're so glad that you're here. In fact, if you've been a believer for a long time, you're going to be asking over the next few weeks, God, where am I right now? Uh, Of these four areas, where do you actually have me right now? Not where did I start or where have I been, but God, where am I right now? Because what happens is life is fluid change happens and you'll move between these four areas as God grows you and then you think I, I've grown in this area and God's like that's great but I want to go deeper I, I want to revisit some things and, and he goes back and he takes us even deeper and we say how does this work I I thought I was on mission but now somehow I got off mission and God's brought me back to identity and and we're going to watch how spiritual growth happens and how many of you in this room would say I really honestly deep down in my heart I really would like to grow spiritually just raise your hand if that's you like like just you know whatever that looks like irrespective of who I am and where I've been and what I've done I honestly would like to grow spiritually I think all of us have that intention in our hearts and we realize the, the nature of our own lives that stagnant is easy stuck it's easy change brings growth but we have this natural resistance to change don't we on the inside I mean, you just go through changes in your life. Uh, how many of you have gotten stuck in a hairstyle for a while? Be honest, right? Sometimes you got to change your hair a little bit. And change is a little bit different. Yeah, Tim raised his hand over here. He's totally bald. So <laughs> I know some people who, you know, like you just get you know, one of those kids like donate locks of love and just go crazy, man. That'd be awesome. But like change is hard, right? You're gonna go change, maybe it's in your hairstyle, or you know, let's be honest, many of us spend a lot of time changing our outer appearance, right, on the outside. Let's be honest, just to get ready in the morning, most women use an entire arsenal of equipment. You use dryers, irons, lotions, sprays, body scrubs, and makeup. I mean, you got like this whole thing, the counter space needed for an average American woman is incredible, right? It's a lot, but men, don't you front, because at the same time, you guys have razors, aftershaves, stuff of your hair, and you got CrossFit just, you know, to boot right in there, right? Transformation and healing often require a makeover, but not a makeover of our outside. It's a makeover of our inside. It's a makeover of the mind, because as the mind believes, so what our heart believes, what the mind thinks, our heart then begins to believe and then what we believe, based on what we believe, that's how we act. And so often we stay stuck, we stay stagnant, because we've engaged in our mind an identity which is not the identity that God has spoken over you and your life. And so for change to happen, we've got to actually change our minds. The Bible tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans twelve two. It also says that we're to take captive every thought ...and make it obedient to Christ. And so often our thoughts just run rampant... ...and they run all over the place... ...and we begin to believe we are what we think. And God says, that's not who I've called you to be. Down in Southern California, there's a lady named Harmony Dust... ...and she reaches women working in the strip club industry... ...and she said this, quote, "...14 years ago I believed a lot of lies. They were so woven into the fabric of my being... ...that they became my personal truth... I believed that I was worthless, stupid, and unlovable. I believed that I was destined to be abandoned by any male that I cared for. My life reflected what I thought to be true because I made choices based on those deep and hidden beliefs. In essence, my thoughts shaped beliefs that dictated my actions and ultimately led to habitually poor choices Looking back, sometimes it's hard to believe that I would stay in a relationship with a man who abused me the way my ex-boyfriend did. But the truth is, and listen to this quote, she said, I believe, that's a heart thing, right? I believed that I was the kind of girl who deserved to be abused long before I became the kind of girl who would let myself be abused. Did you catch that? I believed in my heart, long before I became. She believed that she deserved punishment, she deserved abuse, long before she became the kind of person who would put up with it, or endure it, or expect it in her life. You believe before you become. Isn't it interesting that Jesus all the time now, you got to understand, this is pre-the Holy Spirit coming to dwell inside his disciples. Uh, this is the time when Jesus has not yet been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. But all the time, the question Jesus asks his disciples in almost a surprising tone is, uh, he says this, he says, do you still not believe? He, he asks that question all the time. Things, amazing things would happen. He keep coming back to this issue. Do you still not believe? That was, it was almost incredulous to him. Now, guaranteed, again, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, yet they had the presence of God through Jesus right there in front of them, God in the flesh, but they didn't have God's Holy Spirit transforming them on the inside, but shocked time and again, you would ask, do you still not believe? And I think sometimes... You and I, having God's Holy Spirit in us, having a foundation where we begin to look at the Word of God, I think sometimes God is coming to us through His Holy Spirit, saying, "Do you still not believe that you are who I say, that you are?" And we default to a sub-identity. We default to a false identity. We default to being the kind of person who puts up with the kind of behaviors of habitually poor choices, because in our heart we have believed a lie. To get on the page with the right identity before the Lord, we have to start to unpack what those lies are. And they're gonna be different for you and you and you. And so we have to ask, what are those lies that you and I believe? Because if we're gonna move from identity to formation, transformation is a process that requires action on our part. You can't be stagnant and be transformed. If you do, it's just you get kind of moldy, right? You you don't don't transform the way you wanna go, You, you decay in a sense. Now, it's up to us to replace the lies that we are believing, identify them, and replace them with the truth. And I don't know about you, but I want to be diligent as caring for my inner person as I do for my outer person. At the end of the day, that's what truly matters, right? People aren't impacted by uh, who you are on the outside. Ladies, people are not impacted by how straight your hair is with the hottest, you know, straight iron on the market. That's not what impacts them. At the end of the day, what impacts them is who you are, how you love people, what choices you make in life, and the foundation you're laying down for the rest of your life. Ultimately, the way that you and I, the way that we live our lives, our actions and our habits, is a reflection of the things that we think. What thoughts are you allowing to shape what you believe to be true? When it comes to identity, when it comes to who do you think that you are, what thoughts are you allowing to shape what you believe to be true? How does my outer life, right, my, my behaviors, my thoughts, how do those reflect what I actually believe on the inside? Because the externals are what reveal what's really going on in the heart, and then what truths are available that I can combat the lies with? It's not just good to identify the lies, but then how do I combat those? And when I believe I am what I've done, my spiritual growth skids to a halt right when i believe the rearview mirror that i am what i have done in the past even if the past was you know last week or 2 weeks ago or 3 weeks ago if i believe what the rearview mirror says then my spiritual growth my progress my forward progress skids to a halt and what i want you to understand today is that identity either kickstarts or kills your spiritual growth Everything hinges on identity. It either is going to kickstart your spiritual growth and you're like, I want that in my life. And what, what does that take to do it? we got to start with identity and oftentimes the lies we believe. Or it's going to kill your spiritual growth. The enemy, the accuser, is going to use his work of accusing and it will stop. It will skid. Our behaviors will show that we're beginning to believe lies in our hearts identity either kickstarts or kills your spiritual growth and in this series i want you to understand that god gives us a very clear picture about how spiritual growth happens how, what progression is needed to develop leadership what progression is needed to develop perseverance what do, uh, progression is needed to develop being on mission in your life well we need to look at the progression of jesus moving from apprentice carpenter to the suffering servant getting on mission to fulfill his mission in the kingdom of God. How did Jesus go through that? And his life is what gives you and I the model for where we ought to go. If you have your Bible, open to Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Jesus this time has been an apprentice carpenter. He's done not a whole lot of anything, but Jesus now goes down to the Jordan River to be baptized, his, his cousin, John the Baptist, is down there baptizing people. And Jesus goes down, and I just wanna highlight this as I always do whenever I hit this passage, is that baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is the first response to a belief that God saves, that the suffering of Christ is what saves, his death, is resurrection that we've just celebrated. Baptism is the first response of obedience to a person who says, my identity is not my own. I've now traded it for what Christ, who he says I am. And so based on who he says I am, I now take that first step of obedience, which is to be baptized. It's believer's baptism. It's not unsaved baptism somehow getting saved. It's, it's the first mark of the believer is that in scripture, time and again, you watch, you'll see believe and be baptized, believe and be baptized, believe and be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, you got to go back to say, what have I believed? Because my actions are going to reveal the source of belief, right? It's believe and then be baptized. Jesus didn't need to go down and be baptized to be saved something else was happening. He was modeling for us the progression of spiritual development. Mark chapter one, verse nine. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Could you imagine just being in the crowd? 50 people get baptized. Nothing from heaven. Jesus gets baptized. It's like the heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and a voice comes from heaven that everybody hears. How crazy would that be, right? Picture if you were standing right there, like how amazing. And what God says Is so essential to your life, to my life, and I don't want you to miss it. He says again, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Look at that statement for just a minute. It's identity, it's who you and I are beyond performance before Jesus has done much of anything, before Jesus has chosen his disciples and his friends around him and had community in his life, before he's gotten on mission to save the world, uh, before he's walked through a formative experience of being tried and tested and tempted, the first place that he starts is identity and the identity precedes his performance. How about with you? Do you realize that God calls you And speaks your identity before you have performed. Before you've done much of anything. Our world does it the other way. Show me your performance, I'll give you the title. Show me your credentials, we'll give you the job. Go through qualifiers and we'll let you get into the tournament. And then we'll see how you do, right? That's how it works. But not so with God. God calls the least likely. And gives the least deserving identity, formation, community, mission. If you're taking notes today, I've just given you the four fill in the blanks. It's just the four banners right up here. There's some more later on we'll give you in a little bit, but let's start right there. Identity, formation, community, mission, Jesus being baptized, what God speaks to him is step one. That's identity. When you and I put our faith and trust in Christ, God gives us a new identity. Identity. I mean, Just think about it for a minute. We do this as parents. I remember my firstborn, Zachary. When Zachary was, was born, I, we had not had children. And then when Zachary is born, all of a sudden I held him for the first time, right? This little baby and I'm looking at him and he's done nothing. He's done no good. He, he hasn't even sinned yet. There's plenty of that later on for all of us, right? Because we're born into a sinful world, a sinful nature, and, and we we're born into the flesh and the things of the flesh. But, but in that moment, He's not done anything. But in that moment, He's my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And God calls you and I out of our mess, He calls you and I out of our non performance. And, and He just says, For who you are as my creation, you are my son or my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. He is for you. Before you and I have done anything right or wrong. In the midst of our wrong, he says, I love you. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Sometimes we think that our identity is our status right? You go through a change of status. Maybe it's your midlife crisis. Uh, Maybe for you, you are are changing grades. You're you're entering one, uh, you're in one type of school, you're going to hit the summer, and then you're going to go into a new grade. And you think, I'm moving from eighth grader where I'm the top of the world to freshman where I am now the bottom of the pile again. And you think, you know, I am my status, I am my identity. Maybe for you it's a change in your health condition that you begin to think that you are who your doctor says you are or maybe it's, it's your, a change because of the medications and the things you have. You have a change of your lifestyle because of your health and you begin to think, I am that change in my lifestyle. You might think it's a, a change in your behavior because you've changed your behavior. Your identity at its core has changed. And I got to tell you that a new status is not your identity You might go from single to divorced to married again But none of those are your identity Your identity is who christ says you are it's who god says you are You are my son or my daughter whom I love And with whom I am well pleased we've got to get back to that statement And God shows us how spiritual progression happens. It all starts with identity. But you ask the question like, honestly, come on, who would love me like that? Who would love me like that? Is Christ really enough in my life? Is it enough to cover up what I've done and where I've been? Is that enough? Is it really? Who would actually love me like that? Can I rest in his love? Am I adding my resting in his love to my performance for approval, to my trying to, to be all that I can be? While some of those other areas are important, we start at identity. Can you rest in his love? Transforming my mind means undoing the lies I've believed about self and embracing the truth of God's opinion of me. Sometimes we put a lie into God's opinion of you. Have you ever done that? Well, God must be really angry with me. God must be about to give up on me. God must, uh, you know, he must not have a lot of faith in me. I'm, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop that, well, yeah, God loves me, but he's really just watching for me to do something wrong, like elf on a shelf or something, and just, you know, soon sort of as I do something wrong, then he's got me. And we have these lies in our head that trickle down to our heart and we begin to believe lies about God's opinion of us instead of letting God speak for himself. You are my son or my daughter whom I love, listen, with whom I am, quote, well pleased. God always brings you and I in our wanderings back to identity. Have you strayed? God's not going to bring you back to getting on mission right away. Have you strayed? God's not going to bring you back to just new community. Have you strayed? God's not going to simply bring you back to formation. He's always going to bring you and I back to identity. Because that's the starting point, and Jesus showed it in his own life. The starting point is identity. So like we talked about before, I no longer give power to what you think about me. Uh, In fact, I don't give power any longer to what I think of me. How about breaking that? What if you didn't give power any longer to what you think of you? When you and I believe lies in our heads, we begin to give power to what we think about us because we believe lies. So what if we said, hey, I don't give power to what an external jury says about me, but I also don't give power to what I think of me, I only give power to what God thinks of me and court is adjourned. You see how there's a breaking point, a transition space to get back to identity. It's a beautiful moment when you and I get there. We move from identity, now we're gonna move to formation. In Mark chapter one, beginning with verse 12, Jesus has just been baptized, verse 12, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Okay, so picture this for just a moment. First thing, identity, you are my son. Whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. That's great. Now the Spirit says, it's time to go through a formative experience. And most people come to belief and faith in Christ. They're like, God would think that about me. I'm gonna give my life to Christ. And they love it. And they're so excited about it. And then they walk through their life and the first time they fail, they go, my belief must not be legitimate. But what they simply don't understand is God is beginning to get you and I conditioned He's saying, just your belief won't carry you where you want to go. It has to come with some conditioning. We've got to build up endurance. We've got to learn to take, you know, my yoke upon yourself. Remember, the yoke is what you would take and you would clasp it on one mature, experienced let's say oxen, right? And they take the young one who's all full of energy but doesn't know what it's doing and they yoke it together. They put it in that wooden like stock together. They put it around its neck with the young one so the old one teaches the young one where to go and how to do. And what happens is you and I go to identity. We have now yoked ourselves with Christ. I now embrace the identity he's given me and God's like, great. Now I'm gonna begin to give you endurance and training. But the enemy loves to show up there and point out all the wild animals. What temptations and wild animals oppose you from growing and maturing? What would be your wild animals? When you walk out into the wilderness of formation, when you begin to walk through and you go, I keep hitting that wall and that's where I keep failing, what are the wild animals in your life? I guarantee you, you've given a name and identity to those wild animals. It might be addiction. It might be some other label. It might be the rearview mirror of your life, of your past. It might be misbelief. It's the lies we believe. But those lies, if they're deeply ingrained, are going to continue to affect how we behave, aren't they? And so, in all those areas, I have to ask. As God takes you into formative experiences, you're not failing, but that formation experiences are intended so you grow. What you're going to realize is, we hit formation starting in next week. You're going to realize that it's not formation's not information. Like I got to get a lot more information now. Understanding God and believing his word and getting into his word is essential because this is the owner's manual. But it's not just information. Information doesn't lead to transformation. It's information plus application leads to transformation. And that's what happens in this thing. So Jesus goes out into the desert and he is tried and he is tested and he is tempted by the evil one out there in the desert. And you'll find that Jesus takes all the lies about his identity because the enemy comes along to give him sub-identities. Let's see if I can get you to agree with being lower than you actually are because what's at stake here is the issue of worship. So the enemy comes both barrels. He comes fully stocked and he is after Christ. If I can just get Christ to concede any part of his deity, then I will exalt myself. I'll be able to puff myself up and and. Jesus, the only thing he countered that with, was the truth statements of Scripture. He didn't say, do you know who my dad is? He didn't say, hey, do you know I can do miracles? He didn't say, I remember that I was there when you got cast out of heaven. He didn't, he didn't start smack talking with the devil. He simply countered the lie with the truth of the spoken and written word of God and there was power in that you and I need to learn through formative experiences and God will oftentimes bring us back to formative experiences we're like I think I thought I learned this lesson already lord he's like you did but now I'm going to give you some more perseverance. I'm going to take you deeper. I need to unpack that further now because you learned it good enough for you to be single, but now that you're going to be in a relationship with someone else, we need to go back and deal with that issue again and take it to the next deeper level. That's great. Now you're going to have kids? Well, that's great. Let me give you some more work in that level where you thought you would experience full healing that there's still, let me peel back another layer, there's still some healing and some wholeness in that situation. And some of you are saying, well, now I'm getting to the point in my life where where maybe I'm going I'm to lose a spouse or I'm... Dealing with a health condition of my own, and God's go great. Let's walk you back through some formative experiences so you understand who your identity is in all seasons, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, for better, for worse. In your relationship with the Lord, He will walk you and I through seasons of formation, and the enemy's relentless, tried, tested, tempted, right, until we are freed from this body of death. We walk through identity. We walk through formation because identity either kickstarts or kills your spiritual growth. Well, then Jesus moves away from there. Actually, I want to just skip right to the end of the, the chapter of Mark 1. And there's a, a verse that's so interesting that in these formative experiences, Jesus just didn't go through formation for 40 days, but that Jesus went through formation uh, on a daily experience. He went and got away and spent time with the Father. Mark 1.35 tells us that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. See, Jesus needed time with the Father to learn the will of a Father, to be able to carry out the mission for which he was called. You and I are the same. We need time with the mentor. We need time with our coach. We need time every day where we're reminded by the truth of God's word and his spoken word, who our identity is, because it helps us get on mission. It helps us choose right friends. So Jesus comes out of this experience in the desert. First thing he does when he comes out, he comes walking out of the desert. After the angels had attended him, he comes back and he begins to choose friends. Look at Mark 1, verse 14. After John, who was baptized him, right, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, which is up north, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. It's just interesting. Right away, Jesus comes back and says, I'm not just supposed to do this thing on my own. Just as God dwells in essence and lives within relationship with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as essence in perfect relationship. So Jesus now says, I'm going to go ahead and choose my sphere of influence. And even within the 12, he had like an inner circle of three, and then he had the 12, and then beyond that there are other disciples, other friends that we see in scripture. But Jesus had a really pretty tight inner circle even among the 12. But he comes back and he chooses some pretty unlikely people. They're not educated, they're they're trade educated, they're not book educated. And he comes back and he he chooses these people to be his friends and, and they follow him community is where you and I grow and connect with other people. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. It's not to be meant to be lived on your own. Could you imagine just trying to to do it all on your own? And yet that's what our world tells us, right? That's why the lie of the enemy always works you and I toward isolation. Why does he try to get us to believe lies so that we remove ourselves from those whom we could help or we could do life with? So it's removed in isolation. Let me ask you, do you have people around you where you have encouragement, support, and people dedicated to grow with you in leadership and in service? We want, as a church, to be a church of circles, not just a church of rows. It's why we have community groups. It's why we want you to be in a place where your name and your needs are actually known and you encourage one another. And at times when you begin to believe lies about yourself, there's somebody who can fight for you, who can stand up and say, no, no, no. you are the son or daughter of the most high God whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. We need each other. Jesus himself didn't just bring friends around him for the benefit of sending out the gospel to the entire world. That's using people. Instead, Jesus brought friends around him because he's relational. He's created people he understands. We are relational together. And as he is the key influencer, he's going to help them grow. Let me tell you something. Jesus needed friends. And he called people into a greater story. These guys already have their story. I'm a fisherman. It's my job. It's my occupation. It's what I do. I'm on life plan number one. And God calls them out of life plan number one. And he calls them to a greater story. Listen to me, Jesus is still in the business of calling unlikely people into greater stories. That's what happens when he calls you, when he calls me. We had our life, we had our mess, we have whatever, but God calls us from life plan number one, and he calls us into a greater story. I will not just make you fisher of fish, a food provider. I will make you eternal, have eternal significance Make you fisher of people. And they left their old, small identity and agenda and they went for a higher life calling. See, you and I, when we think we can manage a high enough life calling and run our own lives, uh, it's just an illusion. We need the Lord to give us a higher calling, one that is beyond ourselves, one that gives us a greater purpose in life. Jesus, grab some friends and walk with them. And we talked a couple weeks ago that your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. Some of your friends, some of my friends, reinforce negative identity. Some of the friends are a part of that old identity. And that's where we move our friends from the circle of influence to the circle of acquaintance. We just move them out one degree. We're not sharing our ultimate heart with them because we've come to a new identity Jesus didn't just continue hanging out with a bunch of carpenters. He now chose some new friends after he went through identity formation, now into community, and then he gets on mission. Why? Because identity either kickstarts or kills your spiritual growth. Mark chapter 1 verse 21 says this, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. And just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, I, by the way, I love when the demon possessed go to church. Right? How long has this guy gone to church? Listen, to be honest, how long has this guy gone to church? And as long as there was information being given, but not teaching with authority, he could care less, he's quiet. As long as judgment and performance are being given, but without teaching that has authority, he's quiet. But as soon as Jesus shows up, this happens. He cried out, verse 24, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Right then, what is even the opposition? What does the enemy say? I know your real identity, Jesus. You are the Holy One of God. Here's what Jesus says, verse 25. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So Jesus, from this point forward, begins to teach the good news of the kingdom of God. He begins to get on mission. He's got his friends around him. He's walked through formative experiences, but the core is his identity, and even when he starts on his mission, the very first thing that gets identified is that he has a new, it's always been there for Christ, but it'll happen to you and me. When you and I get on mission, there will be many people who say this statement. What is this? What is this? I know who you are, and they don't say the Holy One of God, right? I know your, your, your relatives, right? What, what is this? Do you get religious on us? Well, What is this? Why are you trying to be out there and save the whole world? What is this? Like, like you know, I used to believe that, that uh, you know, there were certain relatives, and you might think, man, well, yeah, they're a Christian, but they were, I always think they were, like, way over the top, and then you come to Christ and realize... They were right all along, but so many of our relatives or our our coworkers or our people in our school, they'll be like, what is this? Because they identify that there is a new identity in your life. And that identity enables you to walk through formation and you may need to choose new friends as you're getting on mission. But God is good, he shows us how spiritual growth happens right here in Mark chapter one, You and I celebrate and we volunteer. We overcome the evil one with good as we live for the kingdom. We oppose the kingdom of darkness. And when people see that you're living for a new calling, again, they're going to challenge it. What is this? They were so used to the the religious leaders just giving information, giving judgment without real life transformation. But when they saw life transform, when they saw Christ, living out of his identity, even the demons believed and had to obey against their will. With a shriek, they came out, and they left him, and Jesus begins to spread the work of the kingdom of God in that region. Listen, the people of Jesus's day were familiar with two false beliefs, that Jesus' new teaching began to challenge. And I think there are two that relate to you and I. Uh, The first one is this, that this idea that the God or or the gods, gods are just loving and they love us, they love everything we do. And so God must be a lenient God, therefore we can live in sin and do as we please, right? That's the religion of our world, right? Don't step on each other's toes, Don't counter or or disagree with anybody else's beliefs. That that whatever it is out there, this energy, this entity, it's just kind of this all-inclusive thing. It must be loving. It must be lenient. Let people take their own path, and so we can just live and do as we please. And there are even those of us who are believers who that would be one end of the pendulum, right? It swings this way, and we begin to buy into that. God's love, and it's all about God's love, and there's no like real accountability. It's just all about God's love. The other side of the pendulum that the Jewish people totally understood was that God is legalistic and he loves to punish us and he's always angry with us. They were just waiting for, for God, just for the other shoe to drop. Like, I've got something good in my life but I'm just waiting for something bad to happen because God's just angry with me. He's, he disagrees with me. He's against me. He's not for me. And so there's this pendulum swinging both ways but I wanna understand, if you're on the licensed side, you're on the God is loving side, I want you to understand something. It's on your outline and it's this. God is not so loving that he stops being just. Our world says God is loving. And by saying that, they often mean so he's not going to hold us accountable. God is loving so everyone just eventually gets on the good side of things, or the most people would at least. Sometimes in the church, people think God is loving. And so with that, there's never going to be justice, but God is not so loving that he stops being just. He is perfectly both. In fact, listen to me, it is his love that brings justice. It was his love for us that demanded justice be paid for the righteous wrath of God against our sin, not his, on the cross so that we could have life. If God didn't give Jesus an easy road out, an easy way out between his love and his justice. In fact, what we see through the life of Jesus is that God's love brings with it, it demands justice, but it handles it with complete love. And he makes a way to save people like you and me who are living for a low-level, high-calling, and God calls us somewhere higher and gives us a new identity, and it's a beautiful thing. Please listen to me. Make sure you have the right picture of God He is kind, but he's not necessarily tolerant. He is forgiving, but he's not soft. He's all-powerful, but he's not all-consuming. He is fatherly, but he's not patronizing. He is patient, but he is not lenient. Identity is going to kickstart or kill your spiritual growth. You are my son or daughter whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. That's your new identity. That's my new identity. See, mission, you get all the way to mission, and mission is not earning favor. It's not earning favor. Like getting on mission and living your calling, you encounter God, you grow through community, and now you go to live your calling. Mission is not earning favor. Mission is expressing the favor that we've already received. God says, I'll call you away from being fishers of fish, and I want to get you on mission to be fishers of people who can understand they can have a new identity through Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing, right? The whole point of understanding your identity is to walk through the mission to help other people understand their identity in Christ. That's the point of the kingdom of God. Listen, today I believe there's only one thing that God wants you to hear. There's been a lot in this sermon, but I believe it's this, that you are my son or my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. God's pleased with you. He loves you. His identity is for you. Spiritual growth is only possible when you and I replace the false identity and we believe the identity that is given me by God. So now I put on his yoke, I attach myself, right? So often, even as a believer, right? We kind of, every now and then, we throw off the yoke. Okay, God, thanks, I got it. We throw off the yoke and we run around, we go and we do as we please, and then we find that we make a mess. And repentance is simply coming back and going, okay, God, I've tried to run my own life. I tried to believe this false identity. I ran away from who you said I was. But now I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna put myself in the yoke again, yoke myself with you to do life with you, not apart from you, not try to please you from afar, dancing around, but to come back and to walk with you. And we learn that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, that he guides us, that he is for us, that he loves us. And there are some of you in this room that today you have thrown off that yoke and you have run away. And God is simply saying, come back, just yoke yourself to me again. Don't try to keep doing it on your own. Come back to your identity. Yoke yourself to me again. Don't make your community, all those people that you love, don't make them your God. Throw that off, come back to me, to your identity. Yoke yourself to me. I will guide you, I'll mentor you, I'll lead you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What happens is the stronger, more mature ox takes the burden off the young ox, and the two become better together, and they are separate, but so often you and I are trying to do it on our own. Maybe today God is calling you back to identity. For just a moment, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Just thinking about your own life for a moment, I want to ask, have you believed who God says you are? And if you've believed who God says you are, have you gotten baptized as a public demonstration of your belief? Others of you in the room, you're realizing for the first time, I, I, maybe I've gone to churches before, but I'm realizing for the first time that, that I could have, through believing in what Jesus did on the cross, that my sins can be canceled out, that I could have new life in Christ, that I can be given an identity, but that identity is only given in when I put my belief and not what I've done, but what on Jesus did on the cross. And if today you would like to be adopted as a son or daughter of the most high God, it's by putting your faith and your trust in him. And that happens through a prayer. And maybe you wanna pray this right where you're seated, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If that's you today, you just pray this right after me. You just say, Jesus, today I give you me. I take a step to follow you. I don't know at all what that looks like or how to do it, but I'm gonna leave what I've been doing and I'm gonna follow you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried in the ground and that you rose to new life, that you are God. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and make me a new creation on the inside. Make me come spiritually alive because today, Jesus, I give you me. You are listening to the Sungrove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Thank you for listening to the Sungrove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.